I want to go to Chicago. They're too valuable here. Well, Charlie, there's nothing left for me to do but ask you to... All right, you can go to Chicago. Thank you. Guess I'd better try to get drunk anyway. I warn you, Jedediah, you're not gonna like it in Chicago. The wind comes howling in off the lake, and gosh only knows if they ever heard of Lobster Newberg. Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. There's a little girl in my front yard. There's what? A little girl in my front yard. I don't know what that was all about. Here we go. I, I don't know what that that's all about either, but somebody called the authorities. <clears throat> hey, guys. How's it going? <laughs> ben? Pretty good. Pretty good. Dude, I uh, I won the Oscar poll again this year. Uh, oh, you I did. got 20 out of 23. Wow. I'm glad to say. You know how I did it? I did it by voting for things I hated. That's Everything, what I figured. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. And I, I killed. The only time I voted for anything that I liked was what Summer Soul and 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 I voted for Paul Thomas Anderson and I lost that. So anytime mm-hmm. I voted for something I liked other than Summer Soul, I lost. It's a, it's a, it's a good system because those people at the Oscars they pretend that they like cinema. They don't like cinema. They don't give a fuck about cinema. How many people in that audience do you think have actually seen Citizen Kane? I don't know. But... Even the ones that say they've seen Citizen Kane, they haven't seen <laughs> yeah. Citizen Kane. Gabe, have you seen Citizen Kane? Oh, I'll let you guess. <laughs> we got that. That'll be our next. Um, the next time we do a, a commentary track, we'll do for Citizen Kane. For Citizen Gabe, Kane, yeah. Gabe's first no. time with Citizen Kane. Gabe can't I'll, wait. I'll, I'll wait for the colored version to come out. But most they importantly, most importantly, we dare. nailed it. We. We nailed it. We called out Will Smith days before he imploded. I've been you calling called out Will up? Smith for years. You predicted that he was going to slap him? <laughs> I didn't predict that he was going to slap him. I predicted that he's the kind of guy who would slap somebody. Okay. I predicted that he was, yeah. I'll tell you what, though. And I know people are probably, by the time this airs on Friday, people are probably sick to high heaven of it. I mean, it, it's Tuesday. We're already sick of it. Mm-hmm. But it was shocking. It was severely, sincerely shocking. I was like, wow, all night. You know, I watched it with Randy Payne. I was like, that didn't really happen, did it? You know, and then I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Now I'm going to have to, the next few days, read these think pieces about, you know, what it means to be Will Smith or, you know, how hard it must be to be, I don't know. And, and lo and behold, it. Everybody's got an opinion about it. Gabe, even you've got an opinion. Oh, I, 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 I didn't watch it, but it was cut, so nobody could re- really see or hear what was going on, right? No, you and, could, you could hear it. I mean, it was cut on 
on American television, but I, I guess everywhere else, you had the live feed. You could and, see you the know, slap. Fresh they Prince. Didn't, they, didn't, they didn't cut the slap you, on American no. TV. But once that happened, right, then uh, the silence for like the, the sound went wonky, and you know they started showing the logo, and then you know within <laughs> ten seconds everybody had it on Twitter. It's like, all right, Fresh Prince. <laughs> I mean, my thing is like, what about Chris Rock? I mean, what about his rights? What about him? You know, what about him being made a fool of and humiliated on stage in front of millions of people? He might and be. He might does, come out of this the, the cleanest because he's gonna. He's probably gonna have a career boost out in this thing. Well, he's already scheduled a tour, and tickets after the other night have picked up considerably. <laughs> but my thing is, like, doesn't he deserve the sympathy of those fucking people in the room that are like, "Don't worry, Will. You know, it, it, you're okay." You know, it's just like, what about the guy that was hum- humiliated by a taller, better-looking celebrity? You know, have you seen the pictures? Yeah. Like, Chris looks like a fucking gremlin that's being, <laughs> you know, beat up by by a Disney character. It's just, it's not cool. Well, what does it say about everybody in the room that night that within an hour of watching some guy assault some other guy, they're giving that assaulter a standing ovation and yeah. and letting him talk as much as he wants on stage in a self-serving way. It was mind blowing. Like, talk about groupthink and yeah. I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, nobody ever said those people had backbones, and you know they don't. But it also explains why Power of the Dog wasn't going to win. <laughs> you know, they're fine with toxic masculinity, right? Fuck it. Who cares? Oh my god! All right, let's talk about the real travesty, Coda. Ugh. Jesus mm. Christ. You're talking about Zeppelin, Zeppelin's last album. <laughs> Once again, people, they they get up there and they pretend that they care about cinema and they they nominate Drive My Car and Power of the Dog, but they don't care. They want Green Book. They want Coda. They want, they want self-serving bullshit. They want King Richard. Fuck them. Well, I'm not in a very good mood, obviously, because uh, as you guys can see, uh, it has begun. Uh, I, I sent a picture of the what? What is it? Clenpick. The it's it's this shit that I'm gonna have to drink this oral solution for my colonoscopy tomorrow. It's, a very it's finally small, happening. Very happening. small bottle, Scott. Well, there's two two doses. This is one dose. I drank the other one earlier. Yeah, but I drank like two fucking gigantic jugs of them. Yeah, well, I, times have changed, my friend. Uh, yeah, there will be some after effects. And if something happens, uh, I'm going to rely on Ben to do some nice editing. You should have done this episode from the bathroom like you used to do. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's I, I, the only thing that sucks is it's so early tomorrow. I got to be there at seven fifteen. That it that you can stick whatever you want up there, but does it have to be so early? I mean, seriously, that that to me, that's the worst part about. This. No, that's the best part because you don't have to wake up and think about it for hours and hours before they do it. Just you're up, you're in, they're in, and they're out. No, I have to <laughs> lay in bed 
for hours and hours thinking about it. You're sleeping. Wishing I could fall asleep, but since I never go to sleep until 5 a.m. anyway, I'm screwed. <laughs> I, what I am I going to do? Watch Severance to put me to sleep? No, I'm kidding, Ben. It's it's a very good show. It it's not the least bit boring. <laughs> if it if you find it boring, that's okay. <laughs> I don't find it boring. Good. I like the I like the romance between the two <laughs> older characters. Well, wait, wait, hold on. I'm only on episode four. Well, there's all there's, there's a whole romance. No, nah, there's no romance. Oh, hold on. I'm only on episode four. I'm not going to say anything. I stopped. I was moving on to the next thing. I was going to ask you how your Married Men show went for you. It was good. It was fun. Um, yeah. It, like, you know, we practiced a lot for that show. Like, the first practices were not very good. I was like, oh, boy. Um, but, you know, we really prepared, and I, it was good. I mean, I, I saw some video, and I was like, oh, okay. All right, it was it was a good show. You can't really yeah. tell when you're there. For those of you that weren't there, I saw some video while it was playing, and it was really good. Oh yeah. And some of the sound quality of the shows was was really good. On uh, so, I think there was a recording that was uploaded today, and I'll check it out. But I was hoping you were going to record it professionally. I did record it professionally. It's called uh, George Lasso's The Moon and Blood Half Moons. Yes. They were both recorded professionally. You can listen to them at any time. The live version. Listen to this, though, okay? okay. I know this, this may or may not be Married Men related, but it's Local H slash Married Men related, okay? A, a, a lyrical thing that I always thought might be misconstrued for the song Hey Rita, because you played it during the show. Oh, that's right. It sounds like you're saying, hurry it up. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think? I'm not saying you're saying it, but has anybody ever asked you? Speaking of hurry it up, uh, who we got on, who we got on the show today, Gabe? Uh, Mr. Joe Shanahan. Well, Mr. Joe Shanahan, yes, yes. yes. He's a uh, he's a he's a staple staple of Chicago <laughs> history. His, he's a his stable, staple. stable, the Metro, is a staple of Chicago history Chicago. since 1982. Yeah. You like that club? You like Metro? It's the best rock club, any kind of club in the country. What are you talking about? Like, why, why would you say that? You know, I've, I've been on the, I've been on the stage. I've been backstage. I've been in the crowd. No matter where you're at in that club, you feel like you belong. You're 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 part of the show. Whether you're the guy up front, the guy standing on the balcony, you're just you're treated very well at that place. That's. That's good. That that sounds like a good club. That sounds like a club I'd like to be part of. Yeah. We've been going there since 1990? No. 89? No. Got it. Earlier Eight. than that. 87? Oh, you mean us playing there or no, going just, to shows? No, just going. There? Going to shows. Oh, there. yeah. Yeah. What was what 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 is your and we could probably bring this up with Joe later, but if we don't, what would you say is your favorite show that you've ever seen there? It's between Pearl Jam or Nirvana there. I mean, I know you probably say Nirvana would be a better show than Pearl Jam, but I, I just felt... No, no, no. Pearl Jam was great. I that was a great show. Yeah. But uh, those two shows were monumental. What about Screaming Trees? Remember that Screaming Trees show? I mean, that one... 
that hit me hard. You weren't there that night, were you? Was that a show that they played when there was a Dumbledore show? Yeah. Okay, I didn't go because I was working. Right. And, and, and you know. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got off the stage and ran down, got a cab, and went to the Screaming Tree show, and we had to break down and, you know, all that stuff. I did. It was great. Totally worth it. Well, how many people were in the room the first time we saw that Rage Against the Machine show? Uh, couple hundred that was a bizarre interesting show yeah because they were so tight so good and so powerful and there was 100 200 people at the show but you felt it you felt that something was happening yeah yeah and something did happen what about you ben you've been to a few metro shows right i've mentioned it before uh but the uh the last time White Reaper played Metro. Okay, uh, Do, are we gonna go? Are we gonna go back in time? <laughs> Grim Reaper? <laughs> no, I, you saw Grim I, Reaper there. I saw White Reaper there. Yeah, we weren't at the same show. I figured that out. You were at like the tour before. No, we me, weren't. Okay. All right. Um, Liz Fair. Speaking of Liz Fair, do you remember that Liz Fair show we went there in '93? I so, do. Why I do. do you remember it so well? Because Red Red Meat opened up for it. Yes, but isn't there some kind of documentation of that show in written and recorded? Right. We wrote the song uh, Chicago Fanfare 93 after that show because I was so disgusted with the audience because somebody walked in and like, well, she's not that good. And I'm like, why are you here? <laughs> and then I realized that the, the crowd was just full of hipsters and they were assholes and that's the way it went. Yeah, but it was a great show. Is that what you mean? Yes, yes. I've seen her a few times there. The last time I saw her there, she was playing with Greg, our guest from last week. I wish I would have been at that show. I don't even remember that happening. I do have to say that I am jealous. I'm jealous of your Chicago clubs because uh, growing up in New York, our big clubs always sounded terrible. Like I spent my youth at the Ritz when it was downtown on like 12th Street terrible sounding room or at least when you're up close to the stage you never could hear the vocals Irving Plaza and Roseland always sounded room. great right no <laughs> I know I'm just kidding uh, you know I mean, I mean we've got the Aragon here you know yeah. that that's notoriously shitty sounding oh my god can you hear my stomach I'm so hungry right now you can't eat? I'm gonna make it I can't I can't eat Oh. It's, oh, it's still seven. You got a long way to go. Oh, I'm screwed. I think I can have some white grape juice or something like that. But but uh, white. the Metro sounds fantastic. And uh, Empty Bottle sounded great the other night. Really great sound That's a there. good good sounding club, I told you. Yeah. Very good. Did you go home that night or did you go out to uh, Schaumburg? <laughs> Not to Schaumburg. And then I was really bummed out because I was, I was really hungry after that show. But couldn't get, like, Justine told me there was going to be an after party at the Liars Club. And I was like, I can't do this. And then I got a call from her, but like two in that the morning. That didn't happen. Oh, it didn't happen? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, nobody told me about it. And by the time we got out of there, uh, Liars would have been closed. That doesn't mean I wouldn't have gone there, but no, that didn't happen. Should I play you the voicemail I got from Herb at 2 a.m.? Ooh, I don't know. Okay. We can always cut it out. 
Yeah, there's nothing particularly shocking about it. It was just kind of funny. Because I get that, because he called me. I don't know where he got my number. He got my work number. He must have like looked me up. Or maybe maybe it's in my work email that he must have had. Um, and so I get this thing and it says, uh, message notification, voice message no. from Herbert J. Rosen. And this is like in, on my work email. Like no, he asked me. He asked me for your number. He asked me for your number at one point because he was going to be in Madison. So he got it from me. Oh. But do I have your work number? Yeah. You, yeah. You must have pulled my number off of, uh, off of my email signature, which is like a work number. You didn't give him my cell phone numbers. I got this voice. So I got this voicemail as an email. Ben, it's Herb. I uh, heard you were there tonight, late on uh, Friday. Miss you. Hey. <laughs> That's it. There you go. <laughs> it was nice. No, it was very nice. I got to call That's not back. the kind of messages I get that late. <laughs> yeah. That's not what he says to me. I'm so hungry right now. I would even consider eating a burrito. Gabe, your Is thoughts? A, what's wrong with eating a burrito? I, I've been eating burritos religiously this year and chimichangas. Because Nash Cato ruined burritos for me when he called them dung bags. Don't let it happen. Just, just. What what what's a word? It's too late. No, it's, it's a too late. The image is in my head. Eat the deep fried burrito, and it's not a dung bag or whatever you want to call it. But it will become a dung bag later. No, deep I fried burrito—that's a chimichanga. Sl- what are you talking about? A deep fried burrito. That's yeah. right. What's more fun to say than a chimichanga? Yeah. Scott, what is your what's your what's your what's your meal going to be? What's your breaking the fast? What are you going to do? I don't know. Maybe I'll just. Uh, I won't eat ever again. I mean, once I get over the initial pain and the the initial want, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll just uh, celery. A nice <laughs> celery stick. No. <laughs> That's not even food. That's negative food. Is it? That's like eating nothing. It's roughage. Oh, roughage. Don't say roughage. <laughs> this is going to be bad. Well, you know who I had a really nice long gonna, talk with? This is going to be a long night of the soul, my friend. <laughs> and a nice talk with Brian say? Blockinger at the Married Men Show. We, oh, we good. for a while. What a great guy. Nice guy. Yeah. Brian was there. Yeah, there's a lot of good people that came out. And... Uh, Kevin played a great set, and he was very happy to see the likes of Brian Blockinger. Yeah, it was all good. Will there be another? For some reason, when I saw you guys play the last one as the last song, I said to myself, I hope not. You hope not? You hope there won't be another? No, I hope it's not the last one. Oh, I don't know, Gabe. I mean... Maybe. Maybe that's the best way to go out. Just no. get in there, get out. But uh, on the other hand, maybe to quote Yoda, there is another. Hey, everybody. It's Joe Shanahan. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Joe. Hi, everybody. You're back. How was California? Um. Wow. Yeah, good. 
you know yeah. i mean uh i know why people live there that that weather is uh <laughs> is really uh, consistent <laughs> as, yeah, as, as soon as you left it got really cold so uh thanks yeah. for that um we were in palm springs uh celebrating my wife's birthday and uh it was just one day after another i, I mean it, it's kind of weird actually because i mean it doesn't change you wake up at 75 midday it's 85 and then you know <laughs> it just stays sunny and dry the whole time right that's why those great. people have no character and they all look like leather bags <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's the uh, owner of Metro, Smart Bar, G-Man, a mayor of Chicago, and most importantly, a star of the Local H movie. That's correct. I was able to retrieve the scarf and get the re-edit. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I think it's going to work. I don't know if the lighting matches yet, but we will, we will fix this. I thought about that, Scott. I mean, there could have been like a light you know, above, maybe even someone holding the camera, that kind of thing. Uh, no, we'll, we'll fix it in post is, is what they say. Yeah. Oh, is <laughs> that, that what they say these days? Oh, that's, okay. That's industry. So am, I looking at, am I looking at a Barton Fink poster on over your left shoulder? Yes. Yes, you are. I, I, one I, of my favorite movies. Clearly. I, I stole that out of the uh, poster display case at the Fine Arts Theater downtown when it was playing there. Well, the statute of limitations have you covered there, so you right. you have nothing to worry about telling everybody here on the Lifer show. It was that you unlocked. Stole that. I mean, it was sitting right there. I, oh, I it was just, unlocked. It was unlocked. I opened it. I, Fair game. I looked around. I took the poster. You can see it. It's got like a little rip on the side of it. Fair Nobody game. saw Fair me. Game. I couldn't believe it. Clearly, a great film. Good eye. Good eye. So, it's we're not hearing much about this, but. This year is the Metro's 40th anniversary. You're going to hear a lot about it. Yeah. Um, and you'll maybe even hear some things from me tonight. But, um, yeah, you know, in July of 82 was when we opened the doors uh, at 3730 North Park Street. And, you know, the smart bar was open before Metro. So um, we kind of did the club first and then i was able to produce and promote our first show a little bit later that summer which um, is rem which was rem okay so right. smart bar was where you're sitting right now yes so as as we're doing this podcast and for those at home that um can't see because i understand this is audio only yeah yes it was on the fourth floor of of the building of the metro there is a small theater and um there are three rooms that are part of the fourth floor and what you're looking at over my shoulder here uh, scott is is the office of the, we have the buyers in here talent buyers um uh, marketing in the east wing um publicity um art director um so you know there's like 10 people up here you know working every day so, accounting bookkeeping right so you're in the office so where was the bar well i'm actually from where i'm sitting i'm looking directly south and that was the dj booth so okay. over my shoulder if you look where that whiteboard is can you see yeah. the whiteboard yeah yeah that was that was the bar oh yeah it was <laughs> it was cut in the center there and was cut out we filled it back in when we moved back up here but that that was the bar and then 
this was the DJ booth. And this okay. was the dance room. This was the dance room. This is this is the room that, you know, kind of defined a moment where um, the Clash had played the Aragon and they invited them all over for for a party, just to hang out, see the club. And they got here and they loved this club. So Grandmaster Flash and Cosmo Vinyl and myself were DJing, <laughs> and like. It went to four, it went to five, it went to six, it went to seven, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and, um, but it was in this room and, you know, walking around, you know, smoking a joint with Joe Strummer and Mick Jones was, uh, was, was quite the moment for me as I was just entering the sort of the club world and the, and the club business or nightclub business for that matter. Well, what made you want to get into the club business? Was it just that night or was there something beforehand? Oh, it, was, it was, it was to work with local H. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. I heard about that, you know, the, the surprise from Zion. I was all over them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, <laughs> you know, it's a good question because, you know, it goes back to, you know, when, you know, I lived in New Orleans and I lived in New York sort of, you know, you know, post-college, uh, post-dropout college. And, um, you know, the, in a way, the cradle of music being New Orleans, I learned a lot about sort of this, the, the fundamentals. And um, left New Orleans, came back to Chicago, got a job, tending bar, you know, waiting tables, working in an art gallery. And, you know, began to go out every night to, you know, La Mer Viper or the warehouse. And uh, so I began to feel what was kind of going on in Chicago and in a way what was kind of missing. And when I saw 3730 North Park Street, what is now Metro, I fell in love with this building. I was like, oh, what could I do with, you know, four stories of of architecture? How do I how do I play into this? So, you know, it was really the dance community that talked to talk to me first, because like La Mer Viper was was a punk disco, was a punk rock disco, and it was one of the only in, in the country. Mud Club was actually even kind of fashioned after it. And um, I wasn't like a huge fan of what Neo was because it was just sort of like this new wave kind of format. And I, I wanted to kind of blend like what I was hearing in New York a lot as my I was as traveling there quite a bit was a little like this, like the early hip hop and the early house and the early garage and, and punk rock and, you know, ESG and the talking heads and, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And that was kind of the groundwork for what, you know, smart bar kind of is, but, you know, conversely, and I was talking to a uh, resident advisor about this, um, it was new order, you know, it was, it was sort of mm. like blue Monday it was, there was, was sort of that pivotal song that like all of a sudden it was cool to dance, you know? And, and that was, that was, that was kind of punk rock or, you know, electronic. I mean, it sounded like Donna Summers, but felt right. like the sex pistols. You know? <laughs> Did you get to visit factory at all? Like the, the factory uh, records club? Well, the label, yeah, sure. I went, I went to, I went to uh, Factory. That's kind of how I ended up booking New Order. Was that I went to Manchester and spent some time at um, the Hacienda. Mm -hmm. That's it. And 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 then you know Tony Wilson invited me to to Factory, where I was able to spend some time, you know, at that label, 
um, which, you know, the first condition of, of, of factory was quite honestly, like literally in, like in an apartment, you yeah. know, what, what factory records became, you know, was based on, I, I suppose on the backs of, of new order, you know, basically right. they were the only ones selling, selling records. Um, speaking of new blue Monday, you, you do know the fact that that was the number one selling 12 inch record like of all time yeah and for every record that they sold with the original re- <laughs> sleeve they lost a dollar yeah <laughs> right you know i mean talk about a situation as sort of like data you know thing like peter savile and tony wilson these guys were and alan Aramis, they were nuts they yeah were like, and i mean rob gretton and peter hook and bernard sumner and jillian and and and, and steven were like what we lost money, you know, like, like you know, and, and maybe at the time I thought that was, that was funny. It, it, that, that, that story, that was a good one, but that label, that club was built on the backs of that band and, um, good or bad, you know, um, it depends on who you talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was very influential to me because the fact that they called it the Hacienda and house was from Chicago. I began quickly, um, you know, making connections to um, Paul Collins, who was a director of the club. And we would send them Chicago DJs and they would send us Manchester DJs. So right. like Grand Pickering and Grand Park and John DeSilva and, and you know, um, uh, David Haslam, all those guys came and played for us. So right away we began to play within kind of the world of, of what factory was. And, 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 in, and in Chicago, we had our own sort of factory, which was wax tracks. And so right. you know, between the idea of like what wax tracks was doing, industrial music, and what, you know, tracks was doing as far as house music, Chicago was an epicenter for that club sound. I mean, I, I don't, you know, whether it was, it was you know, Industries in the Neubauten or it would be, you know, Knights Reb or, or, or Marshall Jefferson, and you know um robert owens i mean it, it all sounded great in in big rooms like 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 the like the hacienda and in really great little basements like smart bar so yeah so like uh, when smart bar is open are, are stages music hall as it was called which is still on your checks right well it's the ones i give you yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I have spe- I, <laughs> yes you're right that is the parent company but, but, it was, it was, but were they doing it, shows it, i bought a company I, I bought a company called Stages Music Hall, right. and I believe that even on the first flyer and ad in the reader, it says Stages Music Hall presents REM. Okay, I was using the the, the sort of the parent company, but um, um, you know, um, could anybody do shows in that in, in that? You know, and where the stage is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, where, yeah, why? Yeah, it, was, like, it wasn't like that back then. I, okay. I have to say. I, it, people were losing so much money promoting little concerts and shows. And that's kind of how I ended up with the building is that we had a couple of, um, a couple of guys that ran the club before me and they were, I, I refer, refer to them as the cocaine cowboys. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you know, it, it was just, a, they would book these bands and they'd lose money, but they'd all party all night with them. And that was what they wanted to do. Right. Um, and someone would bail them out, you know, <laughs> um, but I turned it into a business. I, I, I felt there was a business model from day one and it, it, it all goes back to the staff. It all goes back to the people that started, you know, with 
us in 82 and actually the same people that are sitting in this office at 2022. So it's like-minded people. People love this notion of this independently owned and operated and promoted sort of venue. And um, I'm proud to say that 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 sort of um, ethos is still present in everything that we do. Um, You know, I mean, hey, Scott, you're you're one of the artists that I can point to that played here all four decades. I mean, I have to say that that's really something. I mean, who else says that in in other cities? I mean, Um, you know what I mean? I mean, there maybe maybe a few in Seattle, maybe a few in Athens, maybe a few in Detroit. But, you know, well, maybe most a people, few in New York, most people are smart enough to get out of it after one decade. So that's probably <laughs> that's probably the point. So, I mean, wait, I know what you say st- about you and me. And wait, what's the name of the show? Hey, here we go. And, what, and, and why are we calling it lifers? Why do you uh, do that? What is the What's the definition? Of it? What is that? Yeah, I mean, well, when did you become a lifer? I mean, what was the thing that bit you? Like, what was the first record you bought? I mean, is can you point to it? Can you oh, pinpoint of it's time? It's great. I think I showed you when you you dropped in the G Man Tavern when I do my Saturday DJ sets. Yeah. Um, um, it was a it was a Rolling Stones record. Um, um, Get off my cloud, and uh-huh. um, so you know for like I think it was a dollar four at the local Evergreen Park Plaza. This little kid from Beverly walked down there with his newspaper money and picked up a, a forty five, and it was you know. I think I was 10 years old because it came out in 1967. And so I was, I was born in 57. So it was about 10 when I picked up again, my first record that I bought with my own money, not records that my brothers and sisters gave me. Cause I had right. a great collection of stacks, Motown, Beatles, stones, but this was the first record. And I actually recently found it. It's a picture sleeve. I I'm free is the B side, which wow. of course, you know, Right is when you th- when you think about that, like wow, that that was a whole Manchester thing too. You know that all yeah. kind of comes back. But um, but I think what I I got to tell you, I, I point back to sort of like this New York, New Orleans, this sort of bouncing back and forth between those two cities for so many years. I'm two cities I just still love. Don't want to live there, but I love visiting there, and I'll stay there as long as I can. And the joke was is that my roommate now would go to New York and go to CBS and go to like, you know, Mud Club, go to Studio 54 even, and we would just stay until the money ran out. And it was like, literally, we just, we would get a round trip ticket on a plane, uh, People's Express for like 99 bucks, and we'd stay at the Chelsea Hotel and kind of live it up. Then move it across the street to the YMCA. (laughs) And and it was our Budweiser and Burger King days. And I think it bit me then. It was was like, you know, if I could find, you know, the right production manager and the right art director and the right, you know, maybe door person and the right DJ, they could probably pull off a night. And that's how smart bar starts is I kind of figured out a way to pull off one night and it was successful and it was, people really liked it and, and wanted me to do another one. And I was like, okay. So after six months, it was sort of like my one friend said, Oh, you're going to keep doing this. I'm like, I'll just keep doing it until I don't want to do it. And, here we are, you know, four decades later. Right. <laughs> you know? So I, I know you saw R.E.M. for the first time in New York. I mean, it wasn't, yeah. a, you weren't, you didn't go to New York looking for bands to start a club with, did you? No, I, I definitely would say that, you know, the R.E.M. story is really interesting because, you know, it was like, literally I gave them my phone number on a 
back of a matchbook the way you did back then right. and just said if you ever need a gig in chicago um the guy i'll 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 do it i want to do it i think your band's amazing and i gave it to the 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 guy that was driving the van and i think he was the road manager at the time his name jefferson? was jefferson yeah yeah <laughs> and 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 but i immediately hit it off with with mike mills mike mills and i from that night we kind of and we still are friends yeah um peter peter too but but mostly mike you know and and michael but um but mike's the guy you would see, mike's the guy you can still see walk around at smart bar I mean, we're in touch. I mean, I, yeah. he wishes me a happy birthday. I, I see him when I'm in and around town. If he does, he's in town, he looks me up. He's just one of our, he's like, he's one of us, Scott. Yeah. He's a regular guy yeah. and likes baseball and he likes, you know, golfing and basketball. And, you know, he, you know, he, you know, he's got friends here in town. He stays in touch with them. I, I love those guys. And so do you. Um, but, um, I gave him, I gave him my, my number and I said, if you ever get stuck or anything ever, you know, Hey, I'm your guy. And they called me, they left me a, uh, a message on my answering machine saying, Hey, Joe, you remember when you asked about, we lost our show at COD, we would love to play your club. Well, at the time I really didn't have the club. I was still doing just smart bar. You know, it was just like, right. I, I kind of had a lease for like the fourth floor. So then I went to the guys that own the, the cocaine cowboys and I went to the guys and said, Hey, can I rent Metro for a night? And I've got this really cool band that I want to promote. And, and they were like, okay, um, we'll do it. We'll charge you X amount of dollars. I figured out the guarantee and the rent figured I needed 500 people to break even. We did like 505. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like we broke even. I had money for beer and pizza for the, for the staff. And I'm like, okay, I guess, I guess this is the beginning of something. Um, well, here's the important yeah. question. Where yeah. was the pizza from? Diagostinos. <laughs> oh, really? Are you, you're, you're shitting me. Of course. Diagostinos? Of course. They were a neighborhood pizza place. They yes. still are. I know. And I still like their pizza. I went yesterday. It was the, my last meal. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now. When I do the, when I do the DJ set... You know, I've I've ordered from Peace from Billy Jacobs because I like his pie as mm -hmm. well. But Diagostino's the crowd favorite, man. They can be they they'll deliver ten pies in thirty minutes. I'll tell you, there were there there were machines over there. Yep, yep, you're goddamn right. So, so we're kind of I know we're kind I don't know what, what kind of timeline we're on here, but I, I did want I did want to say that Kelly Way did did put this on my desk. It's a bottle of Casa Azul. Oh, tequila. Uh -huh. So she 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 told me I had to take a drink with you for some reason. <laughs> so it, I guess it goes with the lifer, the lifer thing. So oh. I'm gonna pour myself a delicious glass of tequila. All right. Well, hold on. Because because was... she, she said she said I have to have a drink with you. I don't know. This is your friend Kelly Way. You have to now. Now, now hold on. I'll show you what I'm drinking. Okay. Just I'm friendly, on. but I'm. <laughs> She might she might be the one that got the most uh, inebriated during the duration. <laughs> hey Joe, where was? Let that me just R say, I'm not I'm not surprised. Yes, sir. <laughs> what was the REM show that you saw in New York? Where was it? I went to the Danceteria. It was um, you know mm -hmm. uh, I had heard that REM was recording um, a demo, which ended up being Radio Free Europe. Um, a friend of mine uh, at the time, Jim Farratt. Uh, oh, yeah. was running the danceteria and booking the danceteria. He was also working with R.E.M. at that time. 
I kind of reached out to him and said I was coming. And it was for the opening of the Dance of Terry on 21st Street. So it was kind of a big deal. And, and you know, I was in New York for, for, for a week and there was an opportunity for us to go by and actually kind of scope out the recording a little bit in the studio, the mix scene. And, um, but we were busy going to get galleries and went to, we were going to the fun gallery. We were, you know, I was meeting Keith Herring and Jean-Michel Basquiat for the first time and going to Mud Club and hanging out with some of the DJs there. Um, Anita Sarko and Johnny Donnell. And this is all, I was just soaking this up for, for really what, you know, I felt, you know, Chicago could learn from New York and vice versa, you know, cause I was always sort of like, uh, as Scott earlier said, you know, the mayor of Chicago, but you know, quite honestly, I've always felt that uh, to be civic is to be smart, to talk about your city. Our city's a great city. Our city, our, our, our culture's great. Our, 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 certainly our heritage is unbelievable, believable between the blues and the jazz and now house and industrial and of course rock music. But, you know, it's all there, you know. Um, you know, second city my ass is what I say. <laughs> you get so, your drink Scott, there? I don't, I don't, okay, there you go. Here we go. Uh, what do you got there? Well, oh, you're here, doing here's that. Here's what I'm drinking. You told me. Yeah. So, cheers. <laughs> you are, you are, I forgot. It's your buddy. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't drink alcohol right now. Mm. Oh, this stuff is. Uh, oh, yeah. It says That's cranberry wild. flavor on it, but don't doesn't look like any cranberry I've ever had. Well, let's just say that cranberries are really old. <laughs> chalky, um, chalky Scott, cranberries. Scott, I, got, Scott, I got a question for you, actually. Um, I, I found this photo of Nirvana playing at Metro in okay. like 1990. I think you're in the first row. Yeah, that's me. I think you're, I think you're there. Yeah. I see this. I do see you in this photo. Yeah, I'm right in do front of Kurt. Do you, do you do you remember this? Yeah, that's me right there. So you can see my face, my little I, moon oh, totally. face looking up there. Your little moon face. I know you're right by Kurt too. Yeah, I I got uh, I, when they smashed his guitar. I got the headstock and everything like that, uh, with strings attached to it and the the uh, you have bridge. that. Uh, I do. Yes. <laughs> How come I never knew that? I don't know. I, I think know. it's I think it's fascinating because because you know you you kind of follow up like almost like in 1990 your first local H show here so let's let's like literally you know a year later is that right I don't know, but it's really funny because I was reading stuff on you today and there's the part in this Metro history. And I never knew this was in there. It talks about uh, while the benchmark for success has changed over the years at Metro, the ide ideology has remained stalwart. Uh, break boundaries, uh, cross platforms and pool talent from the local regional and national levels. Local H took the stage with Nirvana's groundbreaking set still settling into the stage's grooves. Today was the first time I ever read that. It freaked me out. So it's funny that you bring that up. Well, it, it, it's not because you and I are very much in tune with each other. We've known each other for a long time. We trust each other. We can talk like this. And I did see this photograph and I was just like, oh my God, if someone, you know, I, I, I have to say that I think it's about a year later, you play your first show. 
at Metro. I mean, I mean, when I and when you think about when I think about local age, I think about it, you know this duo, this this combustible duo of you and Joe at the time that just was mind blowing to me. And 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 it, but wait, as you know, and you've pointed out to me at, at another anniversary actually <laughs> that I didn't like the first go round of local age, and that was kind of like a stay in touch kind of like. Let me see what you got there, Lucas. Right, so, right. I think that I think it turned out well for both of us. Well, we we had Blake Smith on here uh, a, a few weeks ago, and he would talk about the letters that you would send to bands and how, yeah, like how nobody did that. No, when did you start doing that? Soon as soon as soon as I had mail, when people began to send me a cassette mm-hmm. or even a record. I felt that they took the time to send it to me. I owed them a response. So I, I used to sit and do quick analysis of maybe two or three songs yeah. and send them back. <laughs> and, and, and in some cases, I think I hit the nail on the head with some and some I completely missed completely. But it was a way of me acknowledging that someone had made a record and that someone had listened to it. And, in, in in many cases, it ended up being a show for a band, which right. you know, which was always the the idea. Right. No, I I, ha- I have all those letters too. I have them all. Where are they? Break them out. They're no, they're they're in the next room. I there's there's binders and binders <laughs> of these letters. And well, you know, I you, sent you, Kelly Way to get our letter, and she couldn't oh, find yeah. it. it find I it. thought maybe you took it or something, and I, you're I, pull I think a switch I may, yeah. on me. I think I may have I may I may have that and I may be going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, I want to talk to you about that yeah, later too. Yeah, sure, sure. But no, game... dude, dude, wait a second. The, the four bands or the four artists that play all four decades, you're you're you're, you're in good company. Oh yeah. Who were the Who others? Were the other three. So, um, well, it would be Billy Corrigan. Mm-hmm. It would be Dave Grohl. Oh yeah. And it would be oh, who's the other one? Bob Mould. Bob Mould, yeah. I mean, what were the Husker Du shows like in the '80s? When did they start playing at Metro? You know, it's funny because I was just—I just did a—I uh, a, just—I just figured out a, a thing about um, for the 40th anniversary an artist that I'm, I'm hoping to, to to work with and, and, and land, and I'll know real soon. Um, but the agent that I used to work with at the time handled Soul Asylum, Husker Du, and the Replacements, and so I used to—I yeah. used to call on all three and. So there was this pipeline between First Avenue and Metro, like, you know, late 80s. That was just it was just a turnpike of loudness. Right. It was yeah. great. It was so fucking great, <laughs> you know, um, and 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 enjoyable because we would send bands to them and they would send bands to us. I would say it's exactly you know, what I want to hear. If you're yeah, if you, if, you know. Oh, what was the name of that band from Detroit? There was a band from Detroit that I, don't know, I can't remember the name quite now. But they were just like loud and crazy, and and um, Vince Bannon will call me up and say, "Yo, you should be doing these guys." And I said, "Well, then, then you should give the Pumpkins a shot, or you should give you know, you know, Material Issue a shot, depending on what it was." You, your name was thrown in there a lot, trust me, because hmm. we all talked to each other back then. The the promoters were all on the phone. We we'd be on the phone all day. I mean, this is obviously pre-internet, pre-computer. Now I just stare at a screen all day. Um, but, and I miss talking on the phone, but yeah. I still talk to somebody. Yeah. 
But I, but I, but I did see this, and I was like, wow, you were in the front row of that Nirvana show. That's fantastic. I got. I have a question for you. Well, Gabe was there too. Gabe was. Yeah. Oh yeah. Gabe, where were you? Somewhere lot, behind. I had a lot more hair. I was uh, back and to the left. You probably can't see, but uh, I think I well, think you this, can see the old, the old bass player in there. Matt Garcia was in there too. Yo, I made it through the this, whole show is, in that position, mm-hmm. and I had a line across my chest for a week from the stage because you didn't have a barrier at that show, and I was pushed against no. the stage. And you want to talk about combustible? That show was that show had a big influence on me because it was it was absolutely crazy. You know that was what I'm looking at is this photograph of the stage diver, and there's a, one of one of our security guys kind of on stage with the band, kind of helping. I yeah. remember that John Silva, the manager, had asked. He said, "We don't want any barricading. We don't want any security." <laughs> I go, "Well, you you know what's going to happen." It's going to be, you know, it's going to be chaos, in which it was. It yeah, was, it, it was, was, and it was control. It was control chaos because back then it would be like Kurt would just stop playing and everything would calm down. <laughs> yeah, and then they just rev it back up again. Um, I think that might was that was that the gig that Grohl's drum set went into the uh, yep the audience. Yeah. So he tells that story pretty liberally. He told about Letterman and Fallon. Um, you know, he, he needed a new drum kit. And at the time, um, their tour manager, um, Bill Ramey, told me, he said, this is going to happen because he was such a good guy. He goes, this is going to happen just, just so you know. you know, right. It's like Dave needs a new kit and we're going to buy him one, but they won't buy him one unless it's destroyed. <laughs> so it was, like, it, was, it was a thing they had planned. You know, it was like, okay, I want a new... But no, this is just between Dave and the tour, tour manager. Like, literally, <laughs> he kicks over the kit. It goes into the crowd. It gets completely torn apart. And right. then whatever ends up coming back to the stage, that's he's just jumping on it at the end. So right. it was like The Who, you know, it, it, the closest thing that we got to, like, the marquee you know, in the hood or something like that. You know, this complete, you know, utter, it just turned into noise at the end. It was just like a, a jet plane take. Oh, it's great. Well, well, Dave told that story on stage as it was happening. Uh, so, the, you know, they played the last song and it was blue. And then he looked at Kurt and he, he was basically, yeah, go for it. Because I, I think Kurt had yeah. been wanting to smash the drum set for a while. So he took his guitar and started beating it up and, and Dave comes over to the mic while the, all this stuff is happening behind him. He's like, all right, here's what's going on. You know, we're not asshole rock stars, but I need a new drum set. And we went to that overpriced uh, guitar yeah. center place. And, right. you know, so the only way I could get a new drum set was if we destroy this. So he told everybody what was happening <laughs> as it was happening. Right. It was really funny. Shut up! Shut up! Shut I'm going to justify this whole situation. situation. I don't smoke pot. Here. <laughs> See, there's this place called Guitar Center, and you guys who are musicians probably think it's really lame because they usually overcharge stuff. And I heard they were having this sale on drum sets, right? And it's like 75% off. So I've had this drum set for three years, and good night. But behind the scenes was just Bill Ramey and Dave and I kind of know that's going to happen. And and Silva, of course, was like, oh, I guess we got to buy a new drum set tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So he got a new kid out of it. That's and the then that part. became part of their show. It did. It did. But hey, there was a Deer Tick show mm-hmm. at Metro. And Scott, 
or Gabe, do you remember a water gun fight from this? Is there any re- remembrance of a water gun we did fight a, on stage during a deer tick show? Yeah, Scott Lucas and the Married Men did about a week or a week and a half with deer tick. And with the, deer tick. Yeah, the last show was at Metro. And I think they just had uh, water guns with them. And I think the last song was uh, You Gotta Fight for Your Right to Party. And so during that, it just... <laughs> That happened. It just became that. It yeah, just yeah. became that. That's good. All right. So I, I wasn't at that show, but uh, I, 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 Neither was I, I saw this note saying, please ask. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, now everybody knows. time only i bring it up because you know jenna our publicist here at metro she used to work at double door and she mentioned to me today she goes do you remember when the local h did nirvana for halloween mm-hmm. and i do remember that and it was really good yeah, it was, was really that, good dude. that was fun that was all uh i think that was Lori's idea you know it was Lori francis's yeah, idea yeah all those ideas all the halloween things but yeah, I mean, those, as far are fun. as is it your your guitar tone you matching it to Kurt's, and it just I mean, I I remember going on. Oh yeah, this is this is pretty fun, <laughs> you know. It's good. Anyway, so Nirvana, we're talking about Nirvana a lot. Four decades, uh, you know. I think a lot of people, and, and they're right. They say you can't like break down history, you know, by the decade, but you kind of can at the Metro. Like when you look at the the music scene in each decade, it's it's uh, it has a certain character to it. When you say so. Oh, for sure. And, and, and you know, sometimes when I when I talk to my daughter, Tara, you know, it's interesting. I I talk about like, you know, fashion, you know, I mean, in a way, there's always this residual and this reuse and reshape or reimagined or remodeled. And, and music has a similar sort of um, nuance, um, maybe not as obvious at times, but clearly I think that, um, you know, I'm really glad that guitarists have not gone out of style. I mean, I love electronic music. I love turntables. I love DJs. But I mean, the fact that a room like Metro, a, a, a really good, solid, you know, quartet or quintet, you know, of guitars, bass, and drums. I mean, it, it just sort of never gets old for me. You know, I feel that that's something that is, is um, you know, it never goes away. Though we do see it, you know, kind of like evolve. I right. mean, 
you know, I mean, the Screaming Blue Messiahs or, or, or bands like of that era. I mean, there was a certain sound that they did, um, you know, um, moving right up to like, you know, what, you know, um, you know, maybe like a, a prodigy, you know, I yeah. mean, it, you know, there. it's been fun to watch. It's it's you sort of don't know what's going to come next. But there is there is a rhythm to it for sure, Scott. Right. I I remember like like you know when the Strokes played at Metro and it was mm-hmm. you know it was like this shift. I mean they'd played I think a Double Door before that, but like that is that's the kind of band that like when that happened it was like oh things are about to change and I don't know where Correct. it's going to go but something is right. about to change. Well, in 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 the same category or in the same breath and maybe even same era, LCD sound system. Right. Again, in a way kind of back to our beginning of our conversation we were talking about sort of like the, the the new the new order you know or the you know the the influence that bowie had on sort of like new order and what you know bowie and iggy have on james murphy you know i mean there there is a similarity between that language between you know all those artists that you know which isn't murphy made it fresh again but it certainly has roots in another green world or in, you know, uh, on right. the idiot or, you know, and it's, it's in there. He wears his, he wears his uh, influences on his sleeve. It's great. But, right. uh, but when you, when you, but they, but they, but they're like a punk rock band to me. I mean, they were doing it. I mean, you see them live in freaking crazy, great energy, you know? Yeah. Well, speaking of Iggy, I What's he going to push over on your stage now? There's no PA stacks anymore, right? Well, the D&B system is in place. And yes, they're, they, the, the side fills aren't what they used to be because they're now this really small, very powerful boxes. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tip my hat to, to Metallica on this one because when Metallica played here in September of, um, of, of last year, right? Um, yeah. The... Um, one of the arguments that we had between the, the, the sound engineer in front of house and management at the time was like, they wanted to have top boxes up in the balcony. They wanted the balcony to be a little further be covered, which we ended up figuring out how to do. But at that point I kind of knew like, Oh, you know, you know, now that we've been closed, you know, maybe it's the time for us to change the PA out. The DMB system was already being shopped a year before we had the shutdown. So, so like 19, I was already in negotiations with a company to have the DMV system installed, you know, 1920, 19 and uh, 2019, 2020 come along. The deal didn't go through. I waited until we were right. back up on our feet and had you played through it yet? No, no. I think uh, it happened so right after that. we played. Right. Yeah, something wrong with that. That's for sure. You, so you played, you play through the, the the infamous print system, which now has been retired. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I, so. if I'd known, I think I would have. Uh, I don't know. I would have jumped on it a little bit more or something like that. I hope he comes back to the forty. I don't know how much touring the guy's doing, um, but boy, I'd love to to see him make another appearance here because that was a powerful experience, a powerful night. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Unbelievable, unbelievable. I mean, you, I mean, you've had a lot of those. I mean, uh, that Grinder Man show. That was that was a mind blowing show. 
you know, or that uh, you had Gang of Four two nights there. Now that's that is a great experience for me because you dragged me downstairs after the show, and I've told this story before. And they were sitting around singing along to the band the night they drove Old Dixie down. Oh yeah, you remember that? I do. Yeah. I mean, how long had you known uh, Andy Gill before they played that that show? Quite a while. Um, yeah, because, okay, this is great. Oh, man, you have a way of threading the needle, brother. <laughs> so when I was on my, like, sort of REM, because I, I I love those guys. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm, as I said, I became kind of quick friends with them. I followed them out to Boston because Al Jorgensen was making a record at Synchro Sound with Rick Ocasek. And um, I, I, I followed Al out to see what he was doing as far as his first record, the With Sympathy record for Arista. And um, not a favorite record of his, by the okay. way. <laughs> Work, worked for Love, right. which of course now you know, every, everybody on DFA covers. It's um, my I, I, a lot of people love that record, right, man? So yeah. I go out and I went, I, I went to um, like the local coffee shop in Newbury. Newbury Comics went and got some records and some coffee. And I see that that night, Gang of Four was playing at the uh, club, um, 1018 or what, oh, Folsom. What, what's, what's the name of that club there? Um, can't remember the name of it right now. But um, the opening band was R.E.M. Really? So I went to the show. And I, and I knew the Gang of Four guys because they had played here, but I was kind of REM's guest list. I was like, I sat in the in the van with 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 the guys. I mean, literally in in the van tour, sitting in the van with with the band, and you know, looking at uh, um, um, some of the books that Michael Stipe was reading, and, and Mills like and I kind of goofing around drinking beer, and it, it, so yeah. I, I I loved Gang of Four. I love I love the idea of Gang of Four and REM together. What? Yeah. Quite the tour, right? I just realized my earbud is going to only at twenty percent, so that that might just be the key for our as we kind of wind down here. Okay. All right. Well, you got to tell that story about the gray suit you bought in Paris. You told me that story. Oh, you want that story? Yeah. Okay. Mm. It's a big one, buddy. It's a big one. Um. I want to ask you one more question, though. Okay. <laughs> because, you know, the, the album, As Good As Dead, was turning 20. We played two nights here in April of 2016. So remember, that's right after I recover from cancer. Right. And I remember those shows. No opening acts. Played all the, the album in its entirety with special guests, guests throughout the night. Who were some of the special guests? I don't remember. I might have been um, like this. I'm going to call I'm going to blame it on chemotherapy, chemo brain. You know, you had quite a battle with cancer a few years ago. And I know you've been something of an activist with that since then. Yeah. You know, you've got the yeah. the David Bowie show every year that you staged to benefit cancer research. With Matt Walker and uh, Chris Conley. And, right. Yeah, mm -hmm. Sons yeah. of the Silent Age. It's been, it's been really successful. People love that show. You had to. Is it going to happen this year? Yes. Yes. We're going to do it in June. Um, we had to cancel the January date because we like to do it around David's birthday, but that was on the really big bite of Omicron. Right, right. right so right, right, with right. Dick Lou and that surge came from um, from Europe and landed in New York, and you know, we're right behind it. So we, I mean, the fact that 
I mean, Char Walker is a nurse. I mean, we are working with a hospital. And yeah. I was like, maybe not the best optics <laughs> right. to like right. bring everybody together for a concert, you know? And uh, they agreed. Yeah. We, uh, we, 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 we had a long two-day conversation about it because no one wanted to take it down, but we did. And Scott, I want to tell you, that Kelly Way did me a favor. That was actually really tasty. Went down easy, huh? Shout out, sh- shout out to Kelly Way. Yeah, shout out. Well, one other thing I want to say is uh, regarding you know your your cancer. Uh, since then, I, I've seen you be a pillar of support to others in the community who have had their own battles with cancer, like you know recommending doctors and giving advice. And I know you're helpful to Brian St. Clair in that way, you know, when he got his diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, Brian was someone that, you know, I've gotten closer to um, because you know, it's it's a club nobody wants to be a member of. Right. But the members are really there for each other because um, it's hard, Scott. It was just, just beats the shit out of your body. And, um, you know, it changes your changes, changes your um, uh, outlook. It, it did mine, you know, um, much more. Um, hopefully, if I'm, my wife might say, <laughs> maybe a little more compassionate and and uh, and uh, a little more um, understanding. Mm-hmm. Slower. I slowed down. I slowed down. That's the big part. You slow down. You, you look at life a little differently. And like there were people there for me, like Grant Ockets from Alinea and Sandra Miller, who's a photographer here in town. A lot of these guys I mean, had the exact same cancer as I did. Um, you know, they would kind of rally to my to my side. So in a way, as I say, it's kind of a club that you don't want to be a member of, but we all kind of rally for each other. And um, when I think about what like the North Shore um, uh, Cancer um, and Health uh, Center does, you know, that Char Walker is uh, one of the nurses that couldn't ask for you know a better partner to, to do something local, do something civic and still have like a totally great musical experience. I mean, Chris Conley and matt walker they're not a cover band they don't go out and do this as a thing they right. do this as a tribute to their one of their favorite artists they do it once a year uh or maybe twice a year and 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 they do it here and we raise quite a bit of money for yeah. the for the for the center and so if anything it's you know um being ill and and being treated and meeting meeting some incredible doctors and nurses um you know hey uh, it, it, it definitely changes you for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing and this. That's what makes, that's what makes me still a lifer. Cause I'm still, I'm still here talking to you, buddy. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. I mean, we, we didn't get this. We didn't get the story. We didn't get the, the suit. We may have to come back. We may have to yeah, come back. I don't think I'm he wants to talk about is, that. Oh, okay. I, this one, there this is one, one thing that we've never really uh, talked you're about. You're very good. You're very good. Scott Lucas. See, you've done a lot of, <laughs> Very nice things for me over the years. And I want to thank you for that. But there's this one thing that always stood out to me, and we've never really talked about it. Uh, Years ago, we had somebody on our crew that used to work for you, and you fired him because he was, well, let's say he was a bit of a shady character, which I didn't know. And we were supposed to play a show at the Metro, and you found out he was in the crew, and you told me you just couldn't have him in the venue. You offered to get us another guitar tech. And, I, you know, I just I was like, well, I've got to stand up for this guy because he swore up and down that he wasn't the shady guy. You know, he played the victim. Long story short, you were right. I was wrong. And it turned out he was super shady and he ended up stealing from us. But but you never brought it up. 
You never said I told you so. And uh, that was pretty classy, man. I'm not that guy, Scott. No, you're not. No, you're not. But I, I, I want you to know that it, it, did, it didn't go unnoticed on my side, you know. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, um, you know, we're, we're good friends and, and, and Gabe and then you guys know, um, you know, that, that I feel strongly about um, my local um, support. And, you know, when we were kind of in the worst part of this lockdown, there was a handful of people that we reached out to to see if we could pull something together at G-Man just for like, you know, 20, 30 people. And Scott did it. John Langford did it. Chris Conley did it. Jason Narducci did it. And these are like, you know, you guys are heroes, you know, I was out because I just wanted to hear a guitar again. I was, mm. I, my brain was, I was on hold and it was just great that, that you did G man, Kelly wake. <laughs> she was the promoter for the show. Yeah. Hilarious, you know? <laughs> and I, I was the buyer and we worked the door together and, you know, maybe that's all part of like, you know, what's life life's lesson is that you learn that, that the people around you, you, you take care of those who take care of you and, 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 you guys are definitely part of that. Good to see you. Thanks for doing this. Uh, I think we just got to do part two. I, cause I got a lot more. Yeah. And you know, next time just charge your earbuds and, and we'll see how far <laughs> we can get. <laughs> Listen to this way. Um, the 40th anniversary starts in July. I'd love to do something that kind of after we get kind of rolling where I can talk about some of the shows we're doing now, as well as we're doing then, because it's not just about, you know, the, the REMs and the new orders is about stuff that's coming in the future that, you know, I, I, we have a lot of that great new music coming. Right. You're right. We've got a lot more to talk about and let's do it when I can get drunk with you. That would be good. And I'm not, okay. Okay. Not waiting. Is to there have any... something stuck up my butt? Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> he had to bring that up. Guys. Everybody knows. Um, of course. But maybe we do this at Gmail. Maybe we do like a little We We do the remote. Somehow we do the Ooh. remote. Whoa, oh, look at, look you at ben. Ben, just, ben just lit up. <laughs> ben, seriously, we, we figured this out. Yeah. I We need to, Maybe. you need to be back on. I need to hear some replacement stories. I need to get oh, to yeah. the bottom of, of, of the night that Scott had his second wedding at G-Man and I got up and sang Did replacements. Did you say get to Scott's bottom? He's already got, he already Scott's talked bottom. about that already. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's leave my bottom out of this. <laughs> yes, Ben, absolutely. Sounds I'd good. love to do that, fellas. All Perfect. right, hey, good luck tomorrow, Scott. Okay, Thanks, good Joe. to hear you. Good to see you, Ben. Talk pleasure. You. We'll talk to you all soon. Okay. Welcome Thanks, back, Joe. All right, man. Bye bye. Welcome bye. back. Stream. But the film is